What does it mean to be a Christian dad? What's expected of you as a Christian father or husband or leader of your home? What is this all about? Let's hear from Dan Lewigs today on the Manlyhood Mancast. Warning, applying these principles may change your life. People will look at you differently. You'll walk straighter, live bolder, and find out who you are. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Atcher. Hey, before we get into our interview with Dan Lewigs, I just want to encourage you, please spread the word about what's happening here at Manlyhood. This is a movement, and it's not just me, and it's not just the amazing men that I interview. This is about you. This is about the men that you know. This is about all of us working together to be better men together. I know that we might not all see things through the lens or the perspective of Christianity, but I do know that we can learn from each other. And so as we interview Dan and as we hear what he believes matters to men and what matters most to men, let's really listen to what he's saying and let's learn from it, no matter what our perspective is. I'm a Christian, so I can definitely relate. It's okay if you're not. Let's relate as much as we can and let's learn from Dan because he's doing amazing work. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dan Lewigs. Dan, it's great to have you on the show, man. I've uh, really enjoyed kind of following you on social. I think... um we follow and are connected to a lot of the same people. And so I don't remember if I sent the friend request or you sent the friend request, but then next thing you know, I get a birthday message. uh, And I think it was you on the treadmill. And then I think the next year I got one from your daughter on the treadmill, which is, which is just kind of cool. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's something I do. And just part of our daily routine. It's awesome. Awesome. I think, uh, I think there's something pretty cool about having a daily routine in general and being able to share that with your kids is pretty cool too. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that daily routine, it, for me, it's the morning, morning routine. If the morning routine isn't in place, the rest of the day isn't going to be any routine either. And you just get so off track, but when you own the morning, man, the rest of the day can go so much better. That's awesome. Uh, how many birthday messages do you end up sending out every day, man? Oh, it's roughly 10 to 15. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I checked out your podcast and I think it's really great. I think that uh, it's, it'll be a really cool opportunity to have some neat conversations here that I think, I think I'm looking forward to having with you and I hope our audience is looking forward to it too. So I'd really like to kind of hear maybe a little bit of your story uh, how you came to this spot where, where you decided, Hey, I want to be the spiritual leader of my home and I want to help other men do that too. Yeah. So that's a, a long, long answer question. So I'll, I'll kind of skip it for a second and just talk about men in general and me being one of them. So kind of my story, but there's a lot of guys that are similar. Uh, we all have questions such as who am I? How did I get here? you know, how'd the world get here? All the, all those questions that every human has. And so as I kind of navigated that, 
I had certain examples of people and I've talked to other guys and they say the same thing that we get pointed in a direction, which is primarily to figure out a way to be successful and successful is oftentimes spelled with dollar signs for the S's go find a good job. You'll figure the rest out later. And we get patted on the back. We get congratulated. And so we just focus in on the career. A lot of us get really good at the career and then that's it. That's, that's the meaning of life until we realize it's not the meaning of life. Uh, everybody's told us throughout the years, Hey, listen, your job isn't the everything or not everybody, but most we've, we've had the warning signs before we get into it. And then, well, the pats on the back are coming. It feels good. And I'm safe in this lane. All the other areas, such as communicating with people outside of a work environment, well, I'm maybe not as comfortable with that. Maybe I'm whatever it is, but we can be selfish. We can uh, tend not to communicate as good as women. That's just a fact. So when the women are doing their thing, we can hole up and go to our safe zones, which can be work, which can be watching sports, which can be all these other things, being good at work. I'm not saying be bad. I'm not saying don't watch sports. I'm all these things, but we've got to realize as a man, traditionally men are the leaders. Look around. Who's the GM of the sports team you follow? Who's the GM? Who's the owner of the company that you work for? Who's on the board of directors? It's men. And traditionally it's always been men. There are good women leaders out there and there definitely should be good women leaders out there. However, when you look at history, it's always been the man. How is it in your home? What areas do you lead? So with that, my personal story was, you know, I was that traditional guy. I wanted to be really good at work and I got it narrowed down to me just doing the one thing. Great at work. I felt really good about that. Got awards, did all these different, you know, manager positions and getting promotions over the years. And I'm sitting there on a Saturday. We didn't have kids. We we're kind of thinking about having kids. And I thought, if I'm going to have kids, I probably should start doing this church thing. I should probably start getting back to faith. And I didn't know where it was going. I did know I needed to be connected to men outside of um, work. I kind of lost all my high school friends. I'd moved away a little bit farther out than most of the rest of my high school friends were. My college friends were spread all over the place. Different friends had moved uh, out of state. So I wanted to get some more male friendships and have some real bonding with guys, whatever that meant, playing sports, watching sports, just hanging out, whatever. But so that was my, one of my primary motivations for going back to church was to find some just good guys. And accidentally I go to this men's meeting in the morning on a Saturday. And during that, it says the man's the spiritual leader of the home. And that was where I pushed back. It's like, nah, I'm not going to pay attention. Hopefully they'll quit talking about this really quickly and move on to the next topic. I'm just going to ignore this for a little bit. Well, they came out with some phenomenal statistics and kept talking about it. And so I finally just had to listen because uh, I was going to be there for a while longer. Might as well take in the material and see what happens. And then I thought about it. I thought if I'm going to have kids and my wife isn't stepping up as the spiritual leader, like I've got just the one job, 
and I don't know why she's not taking this one on also kind of upset about this. Cause it looks like I'm getting targeted and I got to just accept this and realize I got to step up. And as this meeting laid out, I'm like, wow, not only is this in the Bible, but statistics these days are backing up that this is good for the family. I'm like, all right, what's this mean? That's where this all started was just being involved in a conversation and hanging out with guys. And then it clicked. This one's important. And this one is my job. I just didn't know it. And you might throw a question and say, why didn't you know? Well, the, the answer in my family was my mom was so faithful and so spiritual and my dad was more the good work, make the money. Not that he wasn't faith-based, but mom says, everybody get in the car. Dad would grab the keys. So she was the one kind of running it. And I observed in my grandparents' relationships that my one grandma, she was faith-based. My my dad's dad was not. He, he may have gone to church, but <laughs> he tuned it all out. On the other side, it seemed like my mom's grandma was very devout and grandpa I thought was too. And I felt like he was, but I felt like grandma was the one running things after they both passed away and talked to all their kids. All the kids said, now grandpa was the spiritual leader without a doubt, no question. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. But as I was growing up, my view was three women, all three women head of the household, as far as being spiritual leaders and kind of the leaders overall, they kind of ran the roost. So that seemed like a place where I could fall in line, allow my wife to do everything and I could just work and we'd be good. And I found that that was not the best recipe. Yeah. I think it's not fulfilling. You know, I think we, we're made to lead, you know, yeah. and, you know, and I'll say, you know, like my wife and I have had this conversation quite a bit where we both lead, we both lead our family and we lead it together and we lead differently. You know, it's not that one kind of leadership is better than another. You know, we both lead and we both do lead our children spiritually. But at the end of the day, when you sign up to be a husband and you sign up to be dad, you're signing up to take that responsibility. You know, that responsibility is on you. If my kids do something stupid and break the neighbor's window with a, you know, a, a baseball, I'm the one that's responsible for paying to get the window replaced, you know? And if I don't, the police come for me, <laughs> you know? And yeah, I have to, I can pass some of that responsibility along and teach my children to take responsibility, but I'm the one that answers for it. That's something I think a lot about, you know, like we can both lead, but one of us is the one that has to, you know, take responsibility in the end, you know? There was a situation with some kids and it involved apologies being required and the apologies had to go to the parents. So I'll be darned if the two, there was two dads and the, their kids messed up big time. I mean, almost as big as you can imagine. It, it was awful. And so the apologies came in. Guess who came over and apologized? It was the mom's. And me and my one buddy were like, can you believe that? Our two dad buddies allowed the mom, the wife to come and apologize for that was a man's job. That was not her job. We're like, all right, so be it. 
we got to train them up, but we're also, you know, not, <laughs> not on the same page on this one. Yeah. I think it's easier for guys to check out and take that backseat role where you say, all right, I, I work hard and make the money. That's all I got to do. Mm-hmm. And there's more to it, man. There's a lot more to it. And that leadership goes across the board. Obviously, you know, every aspect of life we lead, you know, and, and yes, we work together with our spouse, but what do you think it really means though, to be a spiritual leader? You know, what, what does that mean? You know, I know our audience that listens are, are pretty diverse. You know, we have mm-hmm. some people who would call themselves Christian. I call myself, I mean, I am a Christian. I don't even have to say I call myself yeah, a Christian. Yeah. I am one. Um, but you know, what does that mean? Do you think, uh, and, and how can we explain that in a way for our listeners? Yeah. So to keep it within the question that you asked, the, the Christian aspect of it, uh, we have to, we, well, one, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. The kids, your wife, are, they're going to know if you're faking it. And then it's just putting one foot in front of the other, uh, you know, the journey of a Christian dad. So taking that next step, uh, could be something small, like just reading a Bible verse in the morning when you get up. Perfect. Simple first step. It takes 10 seconds. Maybe think about it throughout the day. Maybe a week or two later, mention it to somebody, you know, Hey, I read this Bible verse. What do you think? Have you heard that one? Whatever like that second step, but just keep adding a little thing to it, adding a little thing to it. The key is to have that relationship with Christ, but it's hard to do that without getting to know. So how do you get to know people? You spend time with them. You ask others, you hang out in groups, you same way you get to know people. So you start doing that with Christ you know, reading the, reading the word, reading the Bible, just all those different factors. Sometimes the Bible, if you start there, you might need some help in addition to, you know, reaching out to a guy and saying, Hey, help me with this. What's this mean? What's this about? Could be a, there's things called devotionals, which to me sound like a sissy word. Uh, so I'll, I like to call it a study. We're, in, we're getting stuff done. So let, let's do a study together. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do a study. <laughs> grab it, you know, read through the material. You can use like you version. I've got a group online. There's about 30 guys that share daily. We read something. It's some man stuff. Usually and a couple Bible verses that support what we just read. And we just talk about whatever's going on. It's a little private chat room. So it doesn't get out to the public and guys can get real vulnerable with what's happening, which is something guys don't do, but Christians, the more you are on your walk, the more open you are to saying, Hey man, I got some struggles in some, some certain areas. And sometimes just talking about it's all you need. Other times somebody can give you some feedback or give you some help, but regardless, uh, being perfect isn't our goal. <laughs> being perfect is, is maybe the facade that we try to put out there, but, uh, that'll take you down. Definitely. You know, I, I think about how important this is and, you know, if this crazy stuff that you and I believe is true, <laughs> there's an eternity at stake. You know, if this is true, then there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's blessings, there's curses. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we have to, you know, if it's true, then those things are true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not just 
giving my children the opportunity to pick for themselves. I I mean, they have to pick for themselves. They'll have every opportunity to do that. But I want to make sure that if this stuff is true, and I don't just kind of believe it, but I actually believe it, it's on me to make sure that I've communicated that, right? I mean, that's, that's the way I see this. Yeah, absolutely. So I love, love what you talked about. How important is it? So if it's not true, it's not important. If it is true, it's of utmost importance. However, one thing it's not is moderately important. It's one or the other, one or the other. And that's, that came from C.S. Lewis, but that's the way I've thought also. I'm like, I either got to be all in or all out. And being all in is, is a, is a chore. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but, uh, you know, as close as I can, that's where I want to be. I want to be just all, all about it. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, running around rah, rah, and, you know, handing out Bibles all the time or anything like that. But, uh, I, I did a podcast with a guy, uh, Vaughn Kohler, his book is called sacred drive and him and I, what we talked about a lot was being excellent at what you do so that modern culture, so that worldly culture and Christians often miss that in our opinion, Christians kind of, we don't want to, you know, be braggadocious. We, we don't want to be prideful. And then they take that and decide they don't also want to be excellent. It's like, well, no, wait, why can't we be excellent at things? If we're Christians, why wouldn't we want to be great? And then other people go, Hey, why are you so great? What, who are you? Tell us about you. Cause that totally attracts people to you. Okay. Now you're asking, well, I also have this faith component too, where, you know, Christ is my Lord and savior. What's that about? Who's that guy? I don't believe in him. Just gets the conversation going. So it's a combination of the two having great faith and also, you know, striving for excellence. So put that together. And that's a person I want to know. That's a person I love being introduced to. I get introduced to people like that all the time. Now go back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wasn't quite sure that person existed, which goes to the next thought. You are who you hang with. So if you want to go a direction, go find somebody that's great at it. I love that. You know, that makes me think you mentioned your podcast and uh, looking at some of the guests you've had on there, you know, I mean, we're looking at, you know, NFL players and, and NBA players and, and flight trainers. I mean, that's, it's a really impressive and interesting group of people that you've been able to interview on your podcast. And I love that you can learn from them. You know, you're not just interviewing some guy off the street. I mean, these are people who have lived life and done things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was floored. The, the flight instructor you mentioned, he actually ran the Top Gun Academy. So he was in charge of all the Top Gun pilots, all the instructors. Did you ask him if he ever sang, you've lost that loving feeling in a bar full of. (laughs) (laughs) I've never asked him that question, but I have asked him a whole lot of Top Gun questions. That's awesome. His name's not Goose, is it? Cause I. (laughs) No, no. His name is, uh, his name is Cujo. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a heck of a guy. And, uh, yeah, he, his face story is just crazy. So 
check out uh, what the heck is his book? Uh, Robert Colonel Robert Teschner is his name, and I'm losing his book. Debrief to Win. That's the name of his book. Debrief to Win is his book. Phenomenal book. Check that one out, guys. Awesome. We'll do. So we we talk about this this idea of of being the spiritual leader. You know, what do you think is probably one of the most valuable tools that you have that has helped you to do that to help you to level up in that? Oh, I would say by far, it's got to be just the people that I hang out with. So as you step into something new or different or looking to go to another level, it's so helpful to meet that guy that's a level or two or three or 22 above you. You know, hopefully the guy that's 22 above you can relate to where you're at still. That's helpful. But even if not, just seeing that much higher level, uh, and knowing what the gap is, you know, as long as you don't get discouraged by it, but see what the possibility is, you know, a lot of times the people in my circles will ask the question, what do you see is possible or what does this situation make possible? But just being able to see a bigger future and more hope is, is a huge, huge factor. So when you're hanging around guys, it just rubs off on you just rubs off on you. You, you, you know, you're working at a desk next to somebody on a computer and they're an expert at whatever. And you see them making keystrokes and doing things. And you're like, what the heck are you doing? No, you just do this. Where'd you learn how to do that? Like that took you five seconds and it takes me like an hour. You know, when I was getting ready to go into podcasting, my podcast engineer, he's like, hit control A. I'm like, what's that do? <laughs> Next thing you know, I can copy and paste and move stuff around and do some editing on my own. And it took him 10 seconds to teach me how to do it. Well, it was something I'd struggled with for, you know, 30 years. It was an accident. It was just because we were hanging out with each other. You, you mentioned earlier when we were looking at that dynamic of spiritual leadership in your home, this kind of popped in my head and I thought it was a good thing to ask about. You mentioned uh, the ladies that you knew that seemed to be the ones calling the shots or the ones yeah. that were the better leaders. What about, what if I'm in that, in that situation where there's a guy who's like, look, I need to step into this role. Mm-hmm. And he looks at his, his wife and she's like miles ahead, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it, it might be kind of hard to get her to follow that. What do you, what do you think is going in, in that dynamic? Is she wanting him to step up? Is she, able to work with him? What does that look like? So one mistake guys make is we'll get a great idea. Like if you're listening right now, you might suddenly have got a great idea. I'm going to take that job. That one sounds good. I'm going to go for it. Stick our flag in the ground. And we're like, honey, this is it now and forever. And I'm leading this house. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just take the next step know where the goal is, know where your vision is, and then just make progress every day, make progress. And if you start being that consistent rock, you stand firm, you're, you, you have values, you know who you are. And once you do that, your wife will start following. And then you've got to treat her like she's precious. You've got to put a priority on her. You've got to absolutely have her know that she is in your calendar. You schedule time for her. You're intentional for her that when she calls, you answer the phone. 
She needs to know that she is a priority and you need to put the wind in her sails. So you need to fertilize the soil she's in so that she blooms. The more compliments you give her, the pats on the back, the affirming her, recognizing the great things she does more so than criticizing things that she does or having expectations for things. And then she doesn't fulfill those expectations. She didn't even know that it was a contract that you've got in your head with her. She never signed off on it. She doesn't even know that contract exists, but you've got it in your head and you're disappointed by her and she doesn't even know why. So that was a whole lot of different things I just mentioned, but you've got to take care of her in a way where she knows that she's safe with you. That is of extreme importance to her. She needs to know that you believe she's beautiful. She needs to hear it. She needs to know that you love her. You keep her safe, secure. You show her that she's important and prioritized and that you love her. You tell me she's not going to want to follow a guy like that. Exactly. I think that's excellent advice. So how does that translate then to your kids? You know, the same kind of, kind of logic. What, what, how do you get your kids to, to really follow in your footsteps? Kids are easy. Kids are easy. They, whatever moms and dads do, kids do that too. So they'll follow you both directions. They'll follow both directions. And I think they'll, they'll see your negative habits too. And with that, you need to, you know, share with them that we're not perfect. And, you know, otherwise they'll pick those up and you need to apologize when it's necessary or not even when it's necessary. But, you know, if there's an apology there, uh, take the word necessity out of it. If there's a reason to apologize, apologize, own your mistakes and, you know, walk through the steps of an apology, you know, regret, remorse. Uh, what you intend to do different and your resolve to do different in the future so that it doesn't happen again. Um, you know, just modeling the behaviors that you'd want your kids to have that for whatever reason, do as I say, not as I do. Like, do as I say and do as I do. Like, how great would that be if the kids could model you and you were working towards that excellence level in all areas of your life? I know a lot of guys who I've heard this a lot actually over the years where, you know, maybe they're, they're teenagers or their kids are starting to do things that are wrong. And the dad will say, oh, I can't really say anything about that. Cause I did that too when I was a kid. And I'm always like, how did that work out for you? You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you did that when you were a kid, do you regret it? So why would you say that it's okay for your kids to do or think that you can't speak into that. You know, I think that's a hard thing for a lot of guys. Yeah. You know, just understanding the situations that are coming up and understanding what your actions are going to be. You know, when you know your values, your core values of who you are, you can operate out of those. So just love is a core value for me. So I get ready to do something. And I think to myself, huh, is this one coming out of love for that person? Is this coming out of love for life or whatever? And again, the Manlyhood podcast, and I'm talking about love. 
no, man, that's 100% the case. I, I think that's uh, something we need to do more. I think, you know, we might be warriors and we might be fighters, but dude, like if you don't have love, what does it mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that, that changes the behavior, the action I'm about to take. So if I'm about to do something that doesn't fit in my core values and I use that as a filter, like, what am I doing? Is there a different way to still accomplish the same goal? And, you know, the answer is yes. Let's do it the better way or let's do it the way that fits my personality or at least the ideal of who I want to be or who I'm who I'm working towards being. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to parenting the kids or even my wife, you know, as I get ready to criticize, I think, is that out of love? Will this help her be better? Will this help me be better? Will this help us be bonded together? That legendary marriage. No, that's going to tear her down. So why would I say that? Why would I use a harsh word around her? Um, yesterday, I was talking to a guy named Jay Warner Wallace. He wrote Cold Case Christianity. So for the guys that aren't on board, uh, check out the book or videos from Jay Warner Wallace, Cold Case Christianity. He was a cold case homicide detective in L.A. And he was an atheist. And his wife started hanging around church a little bit. So he thought he'd investigate it. And I'll be darned if he didn't go through it. And using his homicide detective skills on an extremely cold case 2,000 years ago, he can't check with any of the witnesses. He can't pull the police report. I guess he kind of can, but he can't ask if there's additional questions. Hey, why didn't you get me this and this and this? Like it was written 2,000 years ago. So it is what it is. That's the evidence he's got to work with. And he worked through that. He's got a pretty compelling case that Christ ascended into heaven and he is who he claimed to be. So that was his question also was, if this is important, I should figure it out. If I figure it out and it's not important, it's not true, then it's not important. But anyway, what he said about marriage was we get on Facebook, we get on this live video, we do things for others that are maybe ones in our life out of 10, fours out of 10, peripheral people. We'll get dressed up and look fancy. I wore my fancy shirt for you, Josh. I got my fancy background for you, Josh, and your audience. So we get gussied up. We look good for others that are on the peripheral of our life. We're in our own home. What are we doing for our wife? Are we stepping up to that 10 level as often as possible inside of our own home? Are we stepping down to a one or a four? Are we wearing our jammies all the time? Are we not taking showers? Are we not, you know, treating her like we would? Oh, what's an example? Just anywhere you go see somebody and maybe you're in an argument on the phone and you see somebody on the street that, you know, Oh, Hey, good to see you. You flip from that argumentative personality to warm and cheerful and you walk right by them. And then you get right back into being argumentative and argumentative with somebody that you care about because they're closer to you. So having that, that was neat talking to them. And I'm like, yep, I certainly am not at my best all the time around the house. And I certainly can step it up a bit on certain days, certain days I am way below average. <laughs> I look back to when I was trying to get this woman to like me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I would go out of my way to make sure my hair was combed and my shirt was neat and my 
you know, I'd, I'd write her notes and I'd call her on the phone and I would go out of my way and I wanted to spend every waking minute with her, you know, and, you know, after 22, 23 years of marriage, you start to kind of, okay, I think I've had enough. <laughs> and, and that's not, you know, that's not a recipe for success to, to just kind of pull back out of that. We started doing date night again, now that our kids are older nice. and it takes a little bit less, uh, they take, you know, most of them are grown now. And so it takes a little less attention to, to take care of them. And so we're like, yeah, I think we need to work on this. And man, the first like three or four date nights, we just fought the whole time because <laughs> mm-hmm. we'd kind of gotten out of the habit of spending time yeah. together. Now we have all these things we have to sort out. And we just said, look, we know this stinks right now. This sucks really bad. And we're just going to push through it because we knew that what we had was worth investing in. So guys that just heard Josh, (laughs) I wanted to bring that point up also. He kind of gave you an out with younger kids and how difficult it can be and challenging. And then he followed up and said, well, in our case, we started doing date nights as they, and things were tough. We realized things were tough. So if you want to follow the path that Josh took, uh, do it the same way. If you want something different when your kids are getting out of the house, do it a different way. And not only that, encourage your friends, your your mom and dad friends that you have, your couples, encourage them to do it differently as well. Ask them how they're doing. Get them to the side one-on-one and ask. But if you can get a core group of people that are having that or striving for that legendary marriage that are prioritizing their wife, it'll make it easier for you to do it also. And when you don't do a date night for a while and your buddy says, Hey man, when was the last time you went out on a date? Uh, And by going out on a date, it doesn't have to be the Friday night movie and dinner and flowers. Doesn't have to be. It can be something as simple as uh, one of the funnest dates my wife and I had. I took a little bit of a long lunch and we went furniture shopping. (laughs) That was the last place in the world I wanted to be was furniture shopping. However, we had a ton of fun, her and I. The actual shopping, would you like this one? (sighs) Just tell me which one we're getting. (laughs) However... I put on the, you know, the smiley face and because it was important to her, I did pay attention whenever it was time for me to pay attention, but we just had a ton of fun goofing and joking around and, you know, running to the, whatever it was. I don't know if we've got ice cream that day or pretzels, or if we stopped by and got some Sonic ice or whatever, but we just had a good time being a prioritized fun and enjoying time with each other that, we didn't have a massive task to accomplish. Just find a new uh, dining room table. Same thing with the kids too, man. You know, you invest in that and you spend time. And I like, um, there's an Old Testament Bible verse since we're talking about the spiritual aspect of it, where it talks about, you know, writing these words on the doorposts of your home and making sure that you talk about them when you wake and when you go to bed, you know, so that your family is immersed in it. And, you know, I think that it, when you just take the time to do that, you know, put a a Bible verse on the wall, you know, or on their fridge, refresh it every now and then and talk about it with your family. And you don't have to be a theologian or have a master's or a doctor in divinity. I mean, just 
Hey, what do you think it means when the proverb says this, you know, and the kids will be like, I don't know. What do you think it means? You know, buy some little kids Bibles when they're young and, and read the Bible stories with them. And, you know, if you don't know anything about it on your own at all, like, man, just like, just take the time to invest. That's, mm-hmm. I think it makes a big difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a guy named uh, John Maxwell. He's known as like the leadership expert in the entire world, which is a heck of a title to have. And he said, we, he said, he's not a educator. He said, educators take simple things and make them complex. He said, he's a communicator. He takes complex things and makes them simple. So wherever you are in the leadership, Christianity, parenting, any of those things, make it simple for the kids. Uh, Hopefully on this podcast, one thing we do is make it simple for you. Take the next step. If you don't know what it is, ask somebody, but take the next step. I like to end the podcast with this question and, and, you know, it sometimes leads to a little extra discussion, but what advice do you have for the guys that are listening? I mean, it could be anything, you know, but what do you think is the advice if, you know, you had five minutes with somebody to tell them the most Mm -hmm. important advice you've got, what would it be? So when I ask guys that question and it might be, I might even tailor it down to parenting or something like that. But most guys switch and they go, Hey, listen, here's the real answer. It's prioritize your wife, love your wife. Well, so if you can do one thing today where you do plant the flag, you might not tell your wife, but plant your own flag, make a covenant with yourself, make a promise to yourself that you're going to do the best you can every day. Put some measuring sticks in there. Uh, It could be something as simple as did I compliment my wife three times today? Maybe three sounds overwhelming. Okay. Use one. Did I, you know, give my wife a little pat on the back or a back rub, a non-sexual touch today. That just touching makes a big difference for bonding with people in general. That's why we shake hands. That's why we hug each other. But the hugs and all those type of things, prioritize your wife. Make for sure she knows that, that you love her and that you're maybe the second highest priority. So if you're Christian, God's number one. She's number two. Kids are number three. Make for sure the kids know you and mom are a team and kids you're after her. They might say that's unfair and they don't like that. And cool. Good with that. And then here's, here's one that you can actually use. Here's some, uh, something you can implement. There's a book out there called never split the difference. It's by the number one terrorist negotiator in the world. So this sounds like I'm going to a horrible place where I'm going to tell you to scream at your wife. Instead, the number one terrorist negotiator in the world uses things like questions to help negotiate a win for him. So the book titles never split the difference. So if we're negotiating over a hostage and we split the difference, which half do you want, the top or the bottom of the hostage? That's a horrible situation. So as a hostage negotiator, he cannot allow them to, you know, split the difference. He's got to literally win the whole thing. So he uses questions to bring the other person around and truly understand their position and emphasize with them 
not sympathize, but emphasize so you truly feel what they're feeling. Some of the ways you can do that are to use um, sounds like, feels like, looks like. So Josh, it looks like you're really intently listening to what I'm saying. I am. I'm very intently listening. You are? Yeah. So I can tell he's locked in. So you can, at anytime somebody else says something, you can just chime in with sounds like, looks like, or feels like, pick one of the three, and that'll allow the other person to continue with their thought as opposed to getting a surface level thought. That way you can truly get to know what they are. Another thing you can also do is use something called mirroring. It's the last three to five words that somebody says. So say whatever, say anything, Josh. Man, it's been a long day at work and I'm starting to feel a little wore out. Starting to feel a little wore out? Yes, I am. You are? <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Like, looks, looks, looks like you're dragging, man. Yeah, I can see that. And what that does is now you have, you've tapped into and acknowledged the things that I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can, you know, get into that a little bit more. Oh man, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. I ended up not sleeping. Oh really? Why not sleeping? And then it just keeps going. And all of a sudden you found some major thing about this person that you wouldn't have found out had you taken the simple comment and not allowed him to expand on it. And our wives need to be heard. So what we can do as guys is nod our head, nod our head, glaze over and nod your head. Instead of nodding your head and glazing over, you can say, sounds like, looks like, feels like. And then if those aren't appropriate, you can mirror and use the last three to five words she said and just say them. And then she'll keep talking. And then eventually she'll say, whew, man, you really listened well. I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you hey, didn't really I say or do anything, but you just allowed her to, to vent and get it off her chest. And that can be really hard because we, uh, we hear the problem. And then we want to fix it. There's a, a great YouTube video I saw once. Yes, who produced the nail, it in the the head. nail in the head. You <laughs> but know? you've got a nail in your head, Josh. <laughs> but my head hurts. <laughs> There's a nail in your head, Josh. Look, I got a mirror right here. Look. I'm telling you, though, it's it's and it's honestly very true, especially in in men and women. And I see it all the time. And, and it's it's hard for us to just just listen. Don't fix it. Just listen. Yeah, so something you can try to do if you don't use the tactical empathy, sounds like, looks like, feels like, or mirroring, something else you can do when your wife starts to talk and you want to solve the problem is ask, hey, question for you, honey, are you wanting me to listen or are you wanting me to help problem solve with you? You want me to, you know, help work through this? I just really want you to listen. Okay. And then you sounds like, looks like, feels like. It's funny because we want the pro like the problem solving, just generally. Like, here's my problem, and then she's like, "Oh, that," you know. Then she plays the game, and like, it doesn't work with me now, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, we we absolutely want to problem solve, and that's not typically what our wife wants. What does she want? 
She wants to feel loved. What do we want? We want to feel respected. So we want to problem solve so we can prove our greatness. Mm. Good stuff. So very good. Yeah. Yeah. So understand one of your triggers is going to be respect. If you don't feel respected, you're going to be triggered. And instead of being triggered, take a breath, blow it out, ask a question, you know, get curious with whatever's going on. And at some point maybe say, Hey, I'm challenged. Can you help me feel a different way? Think a different way. Whenever this comes my direction, I feel disrespected and I don't know how to shake that feeling. Maybe your wife comes back with, I didn't know that, you know, made you feel that way. Maybe I could do something different. Really? What does that look like? But having that just dialogue and discussion, because uh, a lot of this stuff goes unspoken and those expectations are out there, those old patterns that happen time and time again that haven't worked. We just keep using the same play. Hey, he handed the ball off, ran behind the right tackle, didn't gain any yards. Let's call that one again, though. Nope, still didn't work. We're three and out. We're punting the ball. It's our turn again. And run to right tackle, see what happens. Same thing, coach. All right, do it again. Like, if we're the coach, if we're running this thing, why don't we keep running the same stupid play that didn't work for the last hundred times? Isn't that the definition of insanity, right? Yeah, it really, really is. Yeah, it really, really is. But, you know, I joke around with people all the time, like, we're guys. We're just big, dumb, stupid animals. (laughs) Sometimes. We just just don't apply that genius to many things. You know, sports and work oftentimes and outside of that, unless we make it a, you know, urgency or priority in our life. You know, we just don't apply ourselves, but we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for Mm. and just taking the responsibility for it. You probably measure your life in certain areas. Yeah. Faith, family, fitness, fun, fiscal, monetary, you know, if you're not keeping track of that stuff or, you know, pausing on a quarterly, annual, weekly, monthly, whatever, but just looking back on how, how am I doing? Ah, I got an A. And six F's. <laughs> that's, some, that's something that's hard to do, though, when you, if, if you are afraid of an F, you know, mm-hmm. we gotta, we gotta be able to say, all right, let's be real here. But if you don't do it, how can you improve? If you don't really examine and know and look at where your standing is, you, you're not going to get any better. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to, got to be aware of it. And then, you know, I aim for A's and B's. I realize I'm not going to get straight A's. It's just not going to happen, but A's and B's are pretty good scores. Lead a pretty good fulfilled life with A's and B's. And I do think that we can all be above average, you know, we can, we can rise above and it it takes work though. You gotta, it really doesn't look around at who's average. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, so I'll give you a quick military story. Here's here's my dad was in the military. He says, "Don't volunteer to do anything. You know, blend in. They give you your camouflage, so use it. You don't want to stand out in the military because they'll make an example of you." And on on on. Sure enough, I get the basic training. I'm scared to death. I'm the smallest guy in my unit, and they're like, "All right, who's got military or who's got college?" I don't know. I, 
I got college. All right, you're the squad leader. I'm like, well, that didn't work out so well. My dad said, don't stand out. And here it is, day number one, and I'm in charge of 16 guys. I'm like, this is terrible. I look around at the 64 guys in the in the squad, and I start sizing them up. Because, guys, that's what we do. We size people up and get a feel for where we rank. And as I'm watching and observing, I'm like, you know what? I'm at least top 50%. And I think I'm maybe top 25%. And then I'm like, no, I think I'm maybe more top 10%. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm like, I'm definitely not going to fail out of basic training. And then would you believe by the end of the basic training, I finished number one in the physical fitness test out of 256 guys. That's awesome. That was the smallest guy in the unit. Everybody thought, I don't know about that guy. He's probably not going to do all that much. Actually, I, I shaved my head and I was a skinhead when I went in. Everybody thought I was crazy and so afraid of me. They thought I was the most physically violent person in the whole place. <laughs> you must have an ugly head, man. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was the furthest thing from the truth. But, you know, I, I wasn't a physically imposing person whatsoever. And when they saw that I ended up winning the whole thing, they're like, how did this happen? And it was, that was a, Pretty cool, pretty cool thing. But the truth was, I was so far above average in army basic training that it was unreal. And, you know, guys were struggling with confidence and everything. If you decide you're going to be above average, you'll be above average. And if you decide you want to start, you know, going for excellence, you can, you know, put some power statements behind you. I am worthy. I am, you know, the most referred person in my industry. You know, whatever. I'm loved by God. That was one you know, one that I used, I used, I am worthy. It sounds crazy. I sound confident on your podcast. Probably in reality, I would have been scared to death to even say my name 15 years ago. Mm. Oh, hi, Josh. I'm Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized if I wanted to, you know, be successful, be a leader, have the life that I wanted to have, I had to get past that fear of a microphone. I had to get past that fear of public speaking. I had to get past that fear of, uh, stepping out of being average. I had to embrace excellence, had to just change the whole mindset and having guys around me that were, you know, in front of me a little bit, helped me out so much. Reading books helped me out so much. Listening to podcasts, listening to Audible, helped me out so much. Developing a morning routine. Um, you know, earlier you asked me a question about, um, about your wife. What if she's outpacing you or flip side, you're outpacing her. But when you do something different, she's going to act different. She's not going to like it originally. You're not playing the game the same way. I noticed. So she's going to start maybe coming at you. So I got to ask how, how El Roddy wrote the morning miracle. I'm like, Hey, when you started doing all this stuff and your wife was behind you, cause she can't keep up with you. Cause nobody in the world keeps up with him. I'm like, what was that like? How did you, yeah, I certainly had expectations that your wife does this stuff and tries to keep up with you. And he laughed. He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, how'd you figure that out now? His man is so tricky and challenging. However, what I've learned to do is to, he, the word he used was patience. And I just learned to start applying patience and it really helped me be a lot more patient. And uh, the word I would use is grace. You know, I start applying grace to a lot of people and situations, including myself. 
I make so many mistakes all the time, but when I do own up to it, apologize, figure out a way to do better, but not beat myself up and, you know, stick myself in a pit, uh, you know, of wallowing and everything else. So, uh, I hope you guys hear the tone of my voice. It's not overconfidence or anything like that. It's just from doing this for such a long time that I know anybody can gain confidence, be a leader of your family, be a leader in your company. You can lead from the back or lead from the front, but once you start studying and practicing, then you'll start being able to be on the teaching side also. And where I've learned the most is from teaching actually. Yeah, I've experienced that too. When you're, people don't always understand, you know, when I'm doing this podcast and I'm talking about how to be a better man and, and, you know, some people get a little offended right off the bat. Like, who are you to tell me how to be a better? And I'm like, I'm telling you this stuff because I need it for me as much as I, as much as I want you to know it too. Like me working through this and talking it out as part of my process of, of leveling up as well. And it's really been, been helpful for me, I think, to, to be able to, to transition from a guy that's just listening to actually doing and teaching it. So it's been helpful. One thing I didn't mention was um, <clears throat> physical fitness. So do something, do some exercise of some sort, whatever it is. And if you're listening to this across the country, there's a group out there called F3, like Foxtrot 3, F3. And they're an outdoor workout group. They meet all across the country. Uh, F3nation.com is the website. So if you think, yeah, I'm not in the greatest shape anymore. I'd like to do something. It's a free group. They don't charge admission. Um, you know, you just show up. You can get to work out with them. There's somebody that's got a thing going. And anyway, that's been something fun instead of being in a gym in a sterile environment and not all that fun. Now I get to hang out with guys five days a week, do hard things together and build that camaraderie and that bond. Turns out a lot of these guys that are doing this are also doing other things in their life that are pretty exceptional. And it's another way where I found a way to hang out with great people and level up myself. And while I'm there, some of them said, Hey, you, you figured a few things out. Can you help us? And I like it. That's what it's all about is keeping your focus on other people such as your wife and other people in general to help them get what they want. And eventually you'll get what you want, which, you know, lots of friends, joy, designing your life, living the way that you want to live. All those things will come if you be intentional about it. Awesome. That's very helpful. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, tell me, tell me if uh, our, if our guys want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? <laughs> I got a really strange last name, L-U-I-G-S. So, you know, it's on the, the show notes or what have you. So I'm on primarily Facebook is the main, the main spot. And then I've got a Facebook community where a whole lot of stuff happens inside of it. It's called the journey of a Christian dad. So the name of the podcast is also the name of the community. And we do a lot of stuff inside of there to helping guys with whatever they're doing. And then whatever I think, usually it's something from my own life that I'm working on that I share with the group also. So those are the the best places to reach me is Facebook. And then uh, uh, in the Facebook community, Journey of a Christian Dad. Awesome. So guys, make sure you go check out Dan and the work he's doing. Hey, I really appreciate you being on the show, my friend. It's been excellent. Uh, 
and it's been helpful and enlightening. So I appreciate your insights, man. Oh, fantastic. Well, I, I thank you so much. And really cool being on a, a podcast called the Manlyhood Podcast. And then it's awesome being on your podcast specifically, Josh. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Have a great day. Dan, I appreciate you so much. You are a good man and you are doing good work. And I can't wait for our listeners to get further plugged into the work that you're doing. Check out his podcast, guys. Make sure that you support the work Dan's doing. Let's thank him for being a part of what we're doing here at Manlyhood as well. I'm going to tell you what, I am so proud of this movement of Manlyhood. It's not just the guys I interview. It's not just me. It's you. Guys, we are working together to be better men. One of the places we do that is in our private Facebook group, The Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can join and you can talk about what's going on in your life. You can ask questions. You can encourage each other. You can build each other up. That's what we do. Anyway, guys, make sure you check it out. It's called The Manlyhood Man Cave on Facebook. I love you guys. I care about you. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. 